Thank y'all for coming. Jill wanted me to tell y'all that there were two handouts, but they're both the same. One's one page and the other's two pages, but they're, they're the same outline. So Jill wanted me to tell you. I was thinking about Valentine's tomorrow, so happy Valentine's Day. And I have a fail, so I don't know. Do you want to hear my Valentine's fail or not? Okay. So about five years ago, my husband was going to go away. They were leaving on a retreat for church about 2 o'clock on Valentine's Day. So I told him, come home for lunch. I'll have a nice lunch. It'll be our little time. So I have, my heart gets really impulsive sometimes. And so I was getting my hair done that, that morning. And I just said, you know, I've been thinking about my eyebrows. Um, she said, oh, she said, we specialize in blonde. You know, the color blonde, you know, for redheads. Because I didn't want to go too dark. And she said, we have the perfect color. And I said, oh, well, let's do it, you know. Um, so when I saw what she thought was blonde, I was um, just, you know, I knew I was going to be in trouble. So by that point, I didn't, I didn't have lunch ready or, you know, it was like a culmination of just, I knew I was going to be in trouble. So anyway, my husband comes home and he sees me from probably like where they're sitting back there. And he said, instead of happy Valentine's Day, dear, he said, what have you done? (laughs) So... The next two hours were him Googling, like, you know, peroxide. We were trying to get my, um, the black. Um, it's, a, it's a great story. So, um, and he left, and we still laugh about our Valentine's Day. So, just don't do your eyebrows. So, um, my heart is so... Impulsive, but Christ's heart is so deliberate and so determined. So that's what I hope each of us know this Valentine's Day is the love that Christ has for each of us. As you look at your outline, I thought about the title um, From Hopeless to Hope Filled, and I wished I could write, you may even want to write this out From Hopeless to Hope Filled to Hope revealed. Because that is the culmination. When we see Jesus face to face, um, that really is the culmination of hope. When it's revealed face to face, whether we see him by death or when he comes again. So ultimately that is our hope. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And that's my aim this morning is 1 Peter 3.18. He came down so we could go up. Jesus is the one who left heaven to submit himself to suffer unjustly. And he is now the one in charge of all things. The cross is the proof of his love, not my circumstances. He loves you. He loves me. He loves our children. He loves our spouses. He loves our parents. He loves 
your grandchildren. I want this to settle over us this morning as we hand over the reins of our lives to who's really in control. Let's gain great encouragement in our circumstances this morning as we hear from his word. There's not a more loving and trustworthy authority to submit our lives to. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are um, just so impulsive. We go our own way. Our hearts, even though they know you, are prone to wander. So we are asking, Lord, that you would um, get our attention this morning through your word, that you would speak in a way so personally to each of us, that we would be encouraged and challenged um, as we go out, um, as we live our lives full of hope. We're so thankful that you are the reason for our hope. In your name we pray, amen. So where is your hope this morning? Is it in a phone call, a test result? Will the baby nap well this afternoon? Or sleep through the night? Will I get the job? Can I afford the new car? Will the kids listen today? Will they obey today? Or maybe my hope is that I will have the energy to get done tomorrow what I didn't have time to get done today. We all want good outcomes and we pray to that end. But what sets us apart from the world as believers is that we have a hope that is bigger than our circumstances. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is hope? Hope is an eager, confident expectation that sustains a person while she is waiting for future fulfillment. As believers, our hope is an anchor for our soul. It lies in the past reality of Jesus paying my debt for sin on the cross and the future reality that I will see him face to face and live with him eternally. My hope is in the reality that Christ is in charge, in charge of the details of my day and my ultimate destiny. Listen, hope takes me from the temporary to the eternal. He gives us everyday opportunities to display hope. That's the first section on our outline. And I'm going to read 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So our past hopelessness. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 gives us a great picture of what we were before Christ. Objects of wrath, disobedient, dead in our transgressions, without hope. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenlies. 
Consequently, we have become God's people. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Christ comes into our hearts by his spirit. Sometimes when we live the Christian life, we still struggle with sin and we doubt our salvation. But we know through his word that sin no longer reigns, but it still remains. So let's come humbly to the Lord this morning and thank him for saving us. We have brought nothing to the salvation equation except our sin. So let's consider this morning the futility of man to atone for our sin versus the finality of God's work through Christ. The requirements to come to God are met in Christ. Again, 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ died for sins once for all. And let that once for all settle. I thought about no more laundry once for all. No more grocery shopping once for all. So just in our temporary lives, that makes an impact. But think about our eternal lives. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring me to God. So also Hebrews 10, 10 through 14. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So it was a complete sacrifice. He lived a perfect life, the life I could never live. It says in 1 Peter 2.22, He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. He died my death and he bore my wrath. At the time of Jesus' death, simultaneously at his death, The veil to the most holy place was torn from top to bottom. That gives us assurance that the sacrifice was complete and acceptable. Romans 8 starts with, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 ends with, Nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I love, we get an example of a hopeless person in Peter. Peter is the one telling us in this section, do not fear what they fear, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. So Peter was fearful. And out of fear, he denied his Lord Jesus Christ three times before the crucifixion. Um. And sometimes, I think one of them was like a little girl. So, uh, you know, he was fearful. Luke twenty-two sixty through 62 tells us that Peter was warming himself by the fire near where Jesus was being questioned by the high priest. 
After Peter's third denial of knowing Jesus, he heard the rooster crow, and he saw the Lord Jesus turn to him and make eye contact in one of the um, uh, um, sections that says that. I think it's Mark. But he looked straight at him, and then Peter wept. So Peter can give us the example of hopelessness, but Peter also gives us the example that Jesus brings hope. After the resurrection, Jesus restored Peter, and then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes to believers. Peter was a physical witness to the fact that Jesus had been raised from the dead, and he became a recipient of the Holy Spirit of grace, of forgiveness, and hope. He and the other disciples endured persecution, but said that they could not stop speaking about what they had seen and heard, and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the gospel. Peter is a worthy example to follow. He was fearful, but, with, but the hope within him, poured out by the Holy Spirit, gave him great courage. So fast forward 2,000 years, how do we suffer in Raleigh, North Carolina? As believers, we live in accordance with the scriptures. We continue to do good, do good to others, submit to the Spirit's prompting to speak the name of Jesus, not repaying evil for evil, not partaking in the lust of the flesh. Doing all these things is counter to our culture. We are not persecuted like the early church, but we are pointed out, ignored, silenced, overlooked. We might not get the promotion. We're ganged up on, talked about. So practically, how do we set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts? First of all, we remember that we are no longer hopeless. Praise Jesus for the gift of salvation. It all starts with our gratitude in our hearts for him taking us out of hopelessness. Then exercise a regular routine of study of his word, spirit-led repentance, sacrifice, and prayer. But ultimately, it's just getting past myself. Be impressed by Christ, not myself not by others. My hope doesn't rejoice upon my capability and doesn't recoil at my incapability. My hope rests completely in Christ's finished work. Hope built on circumstances will fail. Hope built on Jesus Christ will be proven. In Jesus, believers enjoy a sacrifice that was complete. There is no condemnation in death and no separation from his love. So give him first place over your heart. We have assurance of Christ's love by the cross. So let's keep confronting our hearts with the reality that we know Jesus Christ is Lord. That fuels our hope. Now let's see how the Lord uses our circumstances to give us opportunities to speak of the hope that we have.
So part B on your outline is present opportunities. As believers in Christ, we become hope-filled because we know that this life is temporary. We live with our eternal home in view regardless of our current circumstances. We can speak both in good times and hard times, although I think our audience is more open to listening when they see us facing difficult circumstances or suffering. People are more often listening when they see that this life has not been easy for us. And as they see our suffering, it opens up their view to eternity that they might not otherwise see. So suffering that is common to all mankind, death, sickness, chronic pain, chronic pain, depression, car accidents, the effects of aging, financial crisis, stress related from managing family time, homework, sports, technology. So we keep an eternal perspective in our temporary suffering. Suffering reminds us that the best is yet to come. So thankful as we endure suffering, it's opening up the eternal to us. Two truths that encourage us in our suffering. One, Christ exemplified suffering. His, he came as the suffering servant. The second point that encourage us, encourages us is Christ will end our suffering. We can't explain it away but we can endure suffering with his help. This life is not meant to be heaven on earth. He gives us tastes of heaven on earth through his word, his spirit, and relationships. But we can't make our lives heaven on earth or protect our loved ones from suffering. It is unavoidable. I love this quote from Spurgeon that I put on your outline. To speak for God will be refreshing to ourselves, cheering to saints, useful to sinners, and honoring to the Savior. I love that. Um, It refreshes us. We get to cheer the saints. It's useful to sinners, whether they acknowledge it or not. And most of all, It's honoring to our Savior. So how can we be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have? We can write out our testimony, memorize a method of sharing the gospel, or memorize scripture. But mostly, just be an available witness, like Peter and the early church leaders. Can I get a witness? (laughs) What I am a recipient of, I become a witness to. And we can all say that we are recipients of his grace. So we can be a witness to that. I want to be a humble witness, a helped witness, and a hope-filled witness for Christ. I have also, um, I think I put it on the outline just to memorize scripture, I've listed um, 
several scriptures out, but again, I, I love 1 Peter 3.18, scriptures that, memorize, that um, encapsulate the gospel. Um, they're easy for me to understand, and it's just helpful. So that, to me, is a great tool as you think about being prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. But most of all, don't forget that the Spirit will give us what we need. Luke 12, 11 and 12 says, When you are brought before authorities, do not worry what you will say. The Holy Spirit will teach you. The Spirit testifies about Jesus. John 15, 26 says, The Spirit is saying... I'm sorry. John 15, 26 testifies, says the Spirit testifies about Jesus. I hear the Spirit saying, I want to be brave. He wants us to be brave. I know that song, my daughter sings it. I want to see you be brave. Um, That's what the Holy Spirit is cheering us on. He wants us to have the power to stand up and give a word that points people to Jesus. Jesus provides hope in any circumstance. So whether we enjoy success or endure suffering, let's joyfully share our hope. Just like he gives us everyday opportunities to display hope, he gives us eternal realities from his word that affirm our hope. So I'm going to read 18 through 22 from 1 Peter. For Christ died for sinners once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So I love as we look to our suffering servant as an example, we get the picture of his full authority over our lives. It affirms our hope. So number one on your outline is the ark. Like Noah in the ark, when he received for protection from the wrath of God, the, the wrath of of the floodwaters that were coming on the ark, Jesus is our ark and takes us safely to God. Wrath withheld from me poured out on Christ at the cross, but provision and love lavished on me, just like those inside the ark. Jesus Christ dealt with everything that alienated me from God. The Old Testament and New Testament affirm the same message. We needed a rescuer, and Jesus Christ is that rescuer. 
In Jesus, we have safe passage to God. So come to him and receive forgiveness of sins. You know, um, when I was young, I remember going to like a little camp. I think it was called GA Camp. Girls in Action. And um, I was probably 12 years old. And when we got to camp, the two counselors in our little group told us that by the end of the week, we had to come to them privately and tell them why we knew we were going to heaven. (laughs) And I was so scared. And and they said it was one word. You know, I'd ask everybody, what did you say? What did you say? And they said, I can't tell you, but it's one word. And I thought... Well, maybe it's baptism. So, I because I had been baptized, I thought, well, it's got to be baptism, you know. Um, so, needless to say, I didn't do very well that week at camp. So, again, baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality. Um, we have been um, immersed under the water as a picture of Christ's death and come up out of the water as a picture of new life in Christ. So the waters of baptism don't save, but coming to Christ and um, receiving the forgiveness of sins, looking to the work that he's already done on our behalf. And again, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it gives us pictures of... um, the sacrifice that was needed, the one sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they were looking ahead. Now we're looking back at the cross. So we have safe passage to God. Amazing truth. Number two on your outline is authority. His authority is our ultimate affirmation. After the resurrection... Jesus was seated at the right hand of God, and he is in control of all things. Uh, Quickly, I'm just going to give a couple minutes um, to 19 and 20. Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. So just, I didn't want it to be like the white, the elephant in the room and all that. So I wanted to just bring the three best held beliefs of these verses up. So first one, after Jesus was crucified, he went to preach to the spirits of those who perished in the flood. That's kind of one take of what it means here in that section that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. Another held belief is that Jesus preached in the Spirit through Noah. Because if you look back in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, it says the, prophet, the prophets who spoke searched intently trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of God in them was pointing. So the Spirit of God in the Old Testament worked through the prophets. The third belief is that Jesus descended to proclaim victory to fallen angels that were imprisoned. And it says in the Greek, spirits, 
are also referred to as supernatural beings in the um, passages. So usually when the, the word spirit is used, it's to angels or supernatural beings. So I wanted to cover that, and um, in your homework on day five, you get to look through that and not be confused um, by that little section. Again, it's covered in day five of your homework, and you can decide what belief you think fits best. But I will tell you, people are all over the board on that. This is what we know for sure. In Luke twenty-three forty-three, Jesus told the thief on the cross... He would be with him in paradise. And we know that Jesus resurrected on the third day. So I think we know enough for sure that we don't have to let that passage worry us too much. I think we can worship over the fact that Christ is in control. And we'll know one day what he was talking about. Jesus triumphs over death, time, angels, authorities, and powers... And again, he is in ultimate control. As I submit to his control, I realize that I could not have a better advocate working out things for good for myself and for the good of those I love. He tells us in chapter 5 of 1 Peter to humble ourselves under his mighty hand so that he may lift us up. And he also tells us to cast our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. Let us daily remind ourselves to submit to Christ's control and to wait for him to to be the one that provides a way or a way out in our waiting. I know that this is especially hard to do in the lives of our children to have to watch them be overlooked, to get a bad doctor's report, to be hurt in any way is very difficult. But let's let them see that we believe in a greater hope, a lasting and eternal hope. Let them see us pray and wait for the Lord's deliverance. They need a Savior too, and it is not us. Let them learn to wait, to lose, to not be the most popular. A life that is free from suffering will only make living on their own and having to face the realities of life, like suffering, more difficult when it's time for them to leave. Let's remind ourselves and model to our loved ones that the best is yet to come. And the most loving authority is in ultimate control. Because of Jesus, we have the certainty of eternity. So come to him humbly with temporary anxieties. And I wanted um, just to end with this Hebrews passage. Hebrews 9, 26 through 28. Um, we all know that Jesus has appeared once and for all to take away sin. And when he comes back, it's not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. So I just um, was praying this morning as we think about 
Jesus, do we have complete assurance that when he comes back, that we're saved, that he's going to bring us salvation? So I just want to, I want to take a minute as we close. Um, just everybody, just shut your eyes and... Um, Just think for a moment. Um, When did you put your faith in Christ? And are you trying to build your life on anything else? His is the acceptable and complete sacrifice. I want you to have the assurance that you are saved. I don't want you to be like the little girl at the GA camp. I want you to know for sure that as you come to him, he is that ark that took the wrath and you have safe passage to God. He is the righteous one that died for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And my prayer for each of you, each of us, is that we have that assurance. So if you don't have that assurance, please talk to me after or to your leaders, and um, we can definitely talk to you about that to have that assurance today. And then if you're in the waiting, the hoping, just take a minute and cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He is the one who's in control of all things. And I know that that's scary for me to give up, to have to give up control. I realize I'm not in control. But he cares for each one of us and our family and friends more than we can ever. So right now, I just ask that you would cast your anxiety this morning upon him. And Lord, we do just thank you that you have taken us from hopeless to hope-filled. And again, we will see you. It will be the fulfillment of our hope, the culmination of our hope when we see you face-to-face, when we all live together in eternity forever. So let help us to not make heaven on earth here Help us to have that eternal, eternal mindset but live in the day-to-day as good caretakers of our families and our loved ones. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to ask um, Lisa, could we just sing the, the chorus to the song again? 
uh, without the piano. You can even just do it without the piano. If you would just come and... Or you want to do it there? Can you do it there? Can y'all make her... Okay. Yeah. Let's stand and we'll end with that. Yes, you can since you're there. Just start us, yeah. Oh, glory be to Christ.